Well, good morning. Okay, that was really awkward for me. I don't know if I can recover. Um, so I'll just say it one more time, like, like a do-over, just a little bit of a second chance. This is my caffeine. I hope you brought yours with you. Um, so good morning. That was way better on the second try, um, as are most things that I do in life, like way better second try. So I get it. I'm right there with you. I understand 100% of what that's like. Um, we're going to start with a video this morning uh, of that something that I heard on the radio not too long ago, which I thought was really kind of cool. I'm driving down the road, and I listen to a radio station called Way FM in the morning, you know, getting... Um, that's just... Okay, that's just like the Christian pat on the back. I listen to the Christian radio station, but that's okay. Sometimes I mix it up and I listen to all the other radio stations. I don't want you to feel bad about what you listen to. But Way FM in the morning, I'm listening to this fellow named Wally do an interview with Kathy Lee Gifford. Um, and so if you guys will turn your attention with me to this, we'll get started this morning. You ended uh, the Today Show uh, with you and Hoda on a, on a high note. Like you went out really big and you went out proclaiming uh, scripture, sure. which was fantastic. And I, I just, I get the sense that that is just, that is just emanating from you. It's, yeah. just, it's just, it's part of, uh, who you are. Is that, was that kind of a life verse? Cause it was Jeremiah 29, 11. 11. Yeah. yeah. No, my, my life verse is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13. Gotcha. But, uh, that morning I was praying. I said, Lord, I don't want to, I'm so sick of me. I'm so, I'm, I'm ad infinauseum nauseated with all of the attention the last couple of weeks. And I'm just so, I, I don't want to talk about anything else other than give people hope. And every time I think of hope, I, I think of that particular verse. And so, I don't know, I had 30 seconds on that was the one that came out, but mm. I've, I've quoted scripture, uh, for 11 years. I, I've, well, there's rarely a day that goes by that on the air that I didn't talk about the Lord or God or scripture and because it just comes out of me. And that's, that's what it should do. It right. should be part of our everyday in and out breathing. Yeah, it's you know? not compartmentalized. It's like I do no. my church over here and I do uh, my uh, job over here. No. But people would say, and I'm curious because people would say, oh, well, being a believer in Hollywood or in entertainment, it's very difficult, very difficult. Is that the story for you? Cause I, I don't, you're not, you're very unashamed and like you're just confident in you. And I, I could see that being like not a thing for you. Not a thing at all. Yeah. You know what I'm afraid of? Not giving honor to God, not calling on his name when I have an opportunity, not sharing hope with people. I said what after Billy Graham died, one of my dearest friends, and I went on Megan Kelly's show and, 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 uh, the Holy Spirit just came on me and I just started talking about Billy and, and all of that. And I said, you know, Megan, if you had the cure for cancer, would you keep it a secret? No. You'd shout it from the rooftops, especially give it away to people hurting and suffering with cancer, wouldn't you? All of us agree. We would give the, the cure for cancer away. I said, I feel like I've got the cure for the malignancy of the soul. And his name is Jesus. And people were like, what? You know, I mean, I, I got lovely reaction from it. Nobody, nobody took umbrage. I was, you know, I didn't care. Yeah. But it's the truth. I feel like if we honestly shared the love of Jesus with everybody we meet in this world, this world would finally change because the, the, the word of God never returns void. And, and that's what's happened at NBC. It was one of the most godless places, workplaces I'd ever been in when I first got there. But when my, my best friend Christine, my assistant at the time, um, uh, got there 11 years ago, the Holy Spirit showed up. Now 
I mean, cannot tell you how many people came to know the Lord in these 11 years. They're going, they're reading Jesus Calling every morning. They're going to Hillsong Church in New York <laughs> City. They're, uh, even on the other hours, they're having faith-based uh, segments. It just, the floodgates opened. And that's why I also stayed that long, because I could see the Holy Spirit working, working in people's lives. Well, I think that's... Be the interview goes on for like 30 minutes uh, of different context. And, and for those of you who don't know, anybody like 25 or, or younger in the room, it didn't start out with um, Kelly Ripa in the morning with whatever co-host she had. Like when I was a kid, it was Regis and Kathy Lee, that lady. And then she went on to host another portion of the Today Show with this lady named Hoda, and they were famous. And there's memes out there, like GIFs and memes, where you can pick out these two ladies doing really just funny things and sometimes off-color, and here they are, and that's what we do. But I, I'm listening to this interview, and the context of her resignation slash retirement from this context. And she said something that really stuck out to me in that moment. Uh, and another portion of the interview, she said these words. She said, I'm a widow. Um, because one of the things that she was referencing is that her husband, Frank Gifford, he passed away a number of years ago. Uh, I'm, I'm a widow. I'm an empty nester. Her kids are grown and out of the house. One of them just recently got engaged because, you know, we can stalk celebrities on social media. And we know what's going on in their personal lives, which is strange. I get it. But her son got engaged. And so she's a widow an empty nester, an orphan, both of her parents are deceased, and so they've gone on, and so, and she said, and I'm retired, but God's not done with me yet. And I was mesmerized by the comment, and I was listening to the way that she described NBC as a really godless organization when she got there that many years ago, but that she had seen it by the power of the Holy Spirit and the infiltration of believers in Jesus Christ, that something about that environment changed over time. And the cynic that lives inside of me, because there is a tiny little cynic that's in here sometimes, the cynic that lives inside of me was like, well, okay, of course. Of course you can get away with speaking the name of Jesus on live television. Of course you can, I don't know if it's live or not, if they pre-recorded, I'm not sure how all that works, but like you can get away with saying Jesus on television. You can get away with like spilling out your testimony and sharing whatever it is you want to share about scripture and quoting Bible verses because the show's named after you. And somehow or another, you're bringing ratings and you're bringing big dollars and they know that they have investors. And so I just think there's some sort of financial incentive for NBC to let her say whatever she wants to say on the air, regardless of whatever kind of backlash she gets. The cynic inside of me says, well, of course, you can say that because you've got Kathy Lee platform and you've got Kathy Lee status and you've got Kathy Lee paycheck and you've got Kathy Lee history and you've got Kathy Lee endorsements and you've got Kathy Lee permission to speak that boldly and to speak that loudly on a really big platform with 100,000 followers on Instagram and whatever else you want to say, you've got the platform to do it. If you were a guest on the show or some like low-level associate assistant to some underbelly producer, you wouldn't have that kind of platform or privilege. And then she starts talking about the lady that just got there. And I'm like, okay, wow. You know, it's not the size of the platform you're on. It's what you do with the platform that you have. So we've been talking this whole series, and this is the concluding one about this idea of leverage, and that's to use something, anything, fill in the blank, to maximum advantage, to do the most with what you have. And we began that series with like that thing that we all have the exact same amount of time. Like the, the idea of we all have the same number of hours in the day, but then we remind ourselves that we don't have the same exact amount of time because we don't know how much time each individual one of us gets. 
But somehow or another, we think we're all in the same boat with the idea of time. And so how are you going to leverage the time that you have now, the time that you have today, and ultimately the unknown amount of time that you have left for the glory of God's kingdom? How are you going to leverage your time? And then Pastor Eric Rogis from our Franklin campus was here on a Sunday. I was riding down a riverboat in the Amazon River. And so he comes and he talks about leveraging your education. Perfect message for him to come through because his youngest daughter, youngest of three kids, just graduated college this month. And so he's literally on, on the out. Like, we're not even getting started yet. My oldest kid's going into the seventh grade and his youngest is finishing up college. That's a bit of a difference there. And so we're on the start of an educational journey and he's on the back end of an educational journey. And he's saying, this is how how you would leverage the, the, the opportunities that you've been given. We talked about resources. We all don't share the same amount of resources. So how are you going to leverage the resources that you've been entrusted with for the ultimate glory of God's kingdom? And then last week we talked about difficulties. Because we don't all have the same ones of those either. Um, your, your burden to bear is not the same as the one that I bear. And I may walk in the room on, a, on, on any given morning and think that my burden is bigger, that my problems are larger, that what you face is somehow smaller than the things that I go through. And that might be a misnomer because what you're facing may be bigger and more dastardly and more difficult than anything that I've ever walked through. But we talked about the fact that regardless of whatever struggles we face in life, they are an opportunity to be leveraged so that God may somehow get glory from the story that he's writing in you. We've been talking about what it means to take all of these things and use them to their maximum impact. And now we land on the idea of platform. So time, education, resources, difficulty, platform. Which one is the hardest for you? Just maybe identify that in your mind. Which one is the, the most difficult for you to fully leverage, not for your own advantage, but for the glory of God so that Jesus can be spoken from your mouth and represented by your life and other people know that you live for him, you love him, you stand for him, you understand that this book is governance over our lives and you want to follow it with who you are. He's your life. Like how is that being leveraged through time and through the pain and through the resource and through the education and now this platform that you have. A platform is not just the thing that I'm standing on today. There are weeks when I get here on a Sunday morning and there's a giant orchestra pit that's like this huge gap and I have to stand way back here where I definitely need my glasses in order to see your faces on a Sunday morning and I've been tempted a time or two like what would it be like if I put a trampoline at the bottom of the orchestra pit so that accidentally on a Sunday morning I just kind of step over and you guys would gasp until you saw me bounce back up and it would be safe. Um, that is a danger zone waiting to happen. I've fantasized about just how fun that would be but ultimately I'm standing on a platform. There's scaffolding underneath me to raise up this portion of the floor that can easily be removed so that people with instruments could go. Like, there's a lot of people at Belmont University with instruments. We see them walking down Compton. This is a really hilly street. We see them parking their cars during the week. I look out my office window and I'll see some guy mangling this giant upright bass slash cello because I don't know the difference out of a Prius. That's ridiculous. What are you doing? You need an, that kid needs an SUV. He's wrangling this cello and then he's carrying it on his back not just down the hill, but up the hill. And all I want to do is open the door and say, you chose the wrong instrument. Have you heard of a piccolo? Like that would have been so much easier for you. But yet he's carrying that cello up and down the street. I'm standing on a platform this morning. That's not the kind of platform we're talking about. It's not just some raised thing off the floor that I get to stand on and talk to you from on Sunday mornings. 
It's, it's the influence that you have. Political parties have platforms, things that they stand for, things that they represent, things that they want to tell you that they promote in order to earn your vote, I mean trust, in the process. It's an opportunity to use one's voice, one's life, to represent something that you believe in and to initiate action. That's a platform. Social media is platforms. You got your Twitter account, you got your Instagram, you got your Facebook. Those are the only three that I know how to use. I know that there are others um, that you just kind of chat back and forth with your friends and they exist. Like, I don't know all of the other platforms out there that exist, but, but there are platforms in order to be able to communicate with one another. And regardless of what kind of platform you're talking about, they are opportunities for us to leverage influence in people's lives. So today, as we close this series and we look at the fact that Kathy Lee is not the only one with a platform. Donald Trump is not the only one with a platform. Name somebody famous. Name somebody that's like intense out there in the world. Name somebody that has 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 100,000 followers on Twitter. Like Robert Downey Jr., he's not the only one with a platform. My kids have a platform. The, the kindergartners and the first graders and the second graders and the fourth graders in this room have a Platform, you have an opportunity to use whatever space you are in life right now for godly kingdom building influence. So we land in, in James chapter 4. It's sort of the, the, the conclusion of that chapter, it's in the, the New Testament book of the Bible. If you want to find it with me in your Bible this morning, if you want to turn your attention to screens where words will magically appear because somebody's pushing a button to make it happen, we're going to start in verse 13 and go through 17. It says this Now listen, listen up. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, verse 15, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. Verse 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. If you had the cure for cancer, you'd shout it from the rooftops. It would make you an awful person not to share it with someone else. And yet we have the cure for the hope of the, I forgot what you call it, malignancy of the soul. And so it would be a sin not to share it with others. Not to seize every available opportunity, not just to speak, but to illustrate the name and the love of Jesus in people's lives. Leveraging your platform, it's in your notes this morning. If you're somebody that likes to fill, if you're like, like totally OCD type A and you've got to fill in every single blank this morning, you need to hang on because we're going to go through them. But there's, there's blanks for you to fill in. And the first one is this, that leveraging your platform, the platform you have in life, whether you feel like a person of influence or not, leveraging that platform, this is what it means. It means exercising purpose not just any purpose, not your purpose, but a God-given purpose in your life. It's exercising purpose and influence where you are while you're there. Wherever you are while you're there. So if it's fifth grade, if it's in an internship, if it's like in the job that you've had for the last 
11 years, Kathy Lee, or if it's in the career that you plan to spend your entire life in, if it's a neighborhood you just moved to and you don't know how long you're going to live there, or if it's the one that you've lived in and you've watched change for the last 30 plus years, we are looking at our opportunities. And the way to leverage your platform is to understand that there is a purpose for who you are to be in Christ wherever you are for as long as you are there 11 years, 11 months, 11 days, 11 minutes, it doesn't matter. We have some sort of platform to invest in. I show up just after listening to that interview. I, I show up after hearing that this woman is calling herself um, a, a widow. Yes, she is an orphan. Yeah, that's true. When your parents pass on, that, I guess that makes you parentless in this life. Um, an empty nester for sure. Her kids are grown up and, and now retired, but yet... God's not finished with her yet. And of course he's not finished with her yet. She has hundreds of thousands of followers and she's a household name. And then I show up to prayer time on Tuesday morning and Nelda, who read our scripture this morning, who just isn't a day over 55. Okay, like we'll just say that. Um, she tells us that in her little neighborhood, in, in her little neighborhood, a group of them, they get together, they play cards, they're social, there's friendships. A woman had said, hey, I'd like for you guys to pray for me about something. And so they gather and they pray for this lady. And then one of them says, hey, we should get together and do some sort of Bible study or devotion or prayer time as a neighborhood. And all eyes go to Nelda, Nelda will you lead us? It's a platform. It's an opportunity. Whether you are a household name or not. Leveraging your platform means exercising purpose and influence wherever you are while you're there. And it also means knowing full well that those moments are fleeting because you have no idea how long you're going to be there. Proverbs 27.1, we have no idea what tomorrow holds. We don't know. Or if there will even be a tomorrow. How are you going to boast about tomorrow? Where are you going to go this city or that city according to the book of James? You don't know. Your life is a mist. It's a vapor and it vanishes. That's what Ecclesiastes tells us. Job 14.5 says a person's days are determined. It says that the Lord has decreed the number of his months and have set limits that he cannot exceed. There's no such thing. As hard as it might be for us to believe, and in our human grief, and in our human loss, and in our human suffering, there is no such thing as a life that was too short. Because the Lord's determined the limits. And if someone has passed on, it meant that somehow, even tragically, that time was up. I don't know if I'm going to live to the ripe old age of 80. This week I looked at John Acuff's Twitter. He's a local guy, but a book author and says a bunch of things. And a lot of people like them. And he's funny and it's kind of interesting. But he says that his 15-year-old daughter looked at him with an aha expression on her face. And she said, Dad, 10 years ago I was five. That's a, you know, that's, that's a tiny little tender age. But 10 years from now I'll be 25. And then he put that little symbol that looked like the person crying because, you know, as a dad, you don't want to think of your 15-year-old becoming a 25-year-old. Like, you don't want to think of your 5-year-old becoming a 15-year-old, much less a 25-year-old. And then I sat there and think, well, what could I... Oh, let's see, 10 years ago, I was 
30, and 10 years from now, I'll be 50. I don't understand what the math is on that, but you just sit around and go, hmm, 20 years ago, I was only 20 years old. Well, that was a tender little age. I couldn't even vote in this country. Well, and then 20 years from now, I'll be 60, and that'll be a whole different stage of life, right? I'm assuming the case if I get there. And I don't know. I don't know if I'll make it to the month of August this summer in 41 turnaround. I don't know the amount of time that I have, and neither do you. We understand that life is fleeting. I'm not going to boast about what's my five-year plan. I ought to have one for the sake of being a good strategic planner and trusting the Lord and that he's good so that I'm ready for it if it should come. But I'm not going to sink all my eggs in that basket because right now today there are opportunities to leverage for God's kingdom so that I can communicate Jesus. None of us know that lifespan. There's a dash on a tombstone between two dates and none of us know how long ours will be so we're going to leverage your platform in life you can't wait until you get a bigger platform in life because you got to leverage the one that you have right now a couple of weeks ago we talked about the parable of the talents or the parable of the resources the parable of the manager who went away and he left his people in charge of something and you know this guy is given these five talents these five units of whatever and he was told to manually he doubles it and the other guy given like two and what does he do his manager goes away and he comes back and he doubles it and the guy who was only given one buried it in the ground and he didn't do anything with it because he was afraid of his boss and it's got to be this whole big the expectation on all three guys was the same Oh, if you've got 100,000 followers on Twitter, you better leverage that platform for Jesus. If you win an Emmy and you only have 30 seconds to be able to communicate who you're grateful for, you better list Jesus in there. It's not about the people with the biggest platform multiplying their platform. It's even about the person with the smallest one and what you're doing with that. The expectation of all three leaders was the same. Multiply what you've been given for the glory of the one who gave it to you. Leveraging your platform means that your moments are fleeting and you don't know how much time you'll have. It also means that your purpose is bigger. It also means that you really understand that your purpose is somehow bigger. My favorite characters in all of scripture, one of them for sure, is John the Baptist. We'll say that he's the second cousin of Jesus. We know that somehow or another Mary and Elizabeth are cousins. And so if you look at the whole twice removed issue, Jesus and John the Baptist are at least kin on some level. And John the Baptist comes, what scholars tell us, is probably about six to eight months sooner than Jesus he's born but he's born to old parents like people that didn't think they could even have children anymore they welcome an infant and they bring him home Jesus conversely is born to really young parents Mary of course as we know hadn't even gotten married yet she had reached that age where she could be betrothed or engaged so she was a a, a young mom and Elizabeth was an old mom and they both had kids and John the Baptist just a little bit older than Jesus we know what happened to him According to scripture, he went out to live in the desert and he became a weirdo, right? Like the Bible says that he wore like claws, clothes that were made out of camel hair. Like today that would be trendy and on Broadway they would sell it for a whole lot of money. But like back then it was a little bit strange. Like he wore clothes made of camel hair and he ate locusts dipped in honey, which that's probably a delicacy in some other country somewhere. I've definitely seen it on Survivor where they have to eat the bugs in order to live. But I think that's a little bit weird myself. Those aren't strange facts about him. They're premeditated choices that he made so that he could be attached to Old Testament prophets who, according to Scripture, also wore weird things. So John the Baptist comes on the scene and he does weird stuff. 
but it's so that people would associate him with people in, in, in hundreds of years past history and they would recognize him as a prophet. Why was it important that he be recognized as a prophet so that he could be recognized as someone who pointed people to the Messiah so that when he stood up and said things like, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, pointing directly at Jesus... You got a guy in nice clothes saying that, that's one thing. You got a guy dressed like a prophet saying that, people took note. John the Baptist was baptizing people in the Jordan River and then Jesus comes to him and he asks to be baptized. He doesn't say, what up, cuz? Which is kind of a strange thing that he could have offered in the moment, but he says, whoa, I can't baptize you. I'm not fit for that. And Jesus is like, we got to do that because it's going to fulfill what? prophecy and the expectation of what was to come father's will in this jesus said this about john the baptist in matthew chapter 11 he said truly i tell you among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than john the baptist like that's a that's a that's a pretty big high mark like jesus looks at his cousin and says hey i'll tell you out of everyone born of a woman, that's everyone, there's not a better one than John the Baptist. We have these friends, and their names are Isaac and Stephanie Meek, and they have five daughters. If you know them, it's because you've had one of their famous donuts. This is Lucy, daughter number two, um, and their dog, who I don't know its name. Getting a big, is it still a piggyback ride if it's a dog? I'm not sure. So Lucy, she gets to go to her school um, a couple of weeks ago and make a speech. Um, and in that speech, she tells um, all of her classmates and, you know, of course, her mom, it's the day of social media. She's filming in the back on an iPhone and she posts it for us to get to watch it. And I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm watching Lucy's speech. I think it's great, you know, that she gets to make one. So she gets to make the speech. She said, I want to tell you a story that happened to me a few weeks ago. We heard something in the garage. So we all went out to see what it was. And it was a cardinal, you know, a beautiful red bird. I've learned that cardinals, if they're kind of like a, a brownish red, that probably means it's female. But if they're a vibrant red, it's probably a male. I don't know which kind of cardinal was in their garage that day, but a cardinal had flown in, and, and Lucy says she walks in and she sees Jesus sitting on her bicycle. Now, that's fresh wind, fresh fire. These are some, like, there's some charismatic kids in the five-daughter family, and so she's excited because she walks out there and she sees Jesus, like, sitting on her bicycle, and I'm, I'm listening to her make this speech in front of all of her classmates, and I'm thinking, well, I wonder what all those kids thought about Lucy, the donut girl, saying, I saw Jesus sitting on my bicycle, and Jesus looks at her and says, hey, Lucy, you're important to me. I think, oh, that's really, really sweet. That's really exciting. And, and, and she looks around to see if her family, the rest of the people that were there, which would have included mom and dad and four sisters, you know, because five daughters, right? If they have another kid. They're going to have to change the name of their whole business. Okay, so she looks around and they don't see it. And then she looks back and the, Jesus is not there anymore. But the cardinal is now sitting on her bird and her sisters are excited. And eventually the cardinal flies away. And then she says in the speech, later my mom was doing some journaling and she looked up cardinal on the Google. And I was thinking, well, this is really cute. The kid says that her mom looked up the cardinal on Google. And uh, it, it turns out that cardinal you know, obviously there's like all of Catholicism and cardinals like a big fancy title for people that are royalty. And obviously cardinals a red bird that you look at. But one of the definitions, according to Webster, of cardinal is of great importance. And she sees this image of Jesus saying, hey, you matter. You're important. 
And she got her other sisters up on the stage with her, and they said the morning declaration that their parents make them recite before they get out of the car. It's this right here. I like myself. You know, in the world of raising daughters, you've got to communicate those truths. I like myself. I have a great destiny. People listen to me when I talk because I have something valuable and important to say. Today is the best day of my life because Jesus Christ lives big in me. When I stand up, God stands up in me. Matthew eleven eleven. Jesus looked at John the Baptist and said, Wow, of anybody born, John the Baptist is the greatest. But that verse isn't over. The rest of it says, Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And Jesus referenced the kingdom of heaven and talked about how great and valuable children are in it. You don't have to be a news anchor on NBC in order to leverage a platform. You might just be a fifth grader who trusts in Jesus. You're important. You matter. And there is something big that God might want you to do. Most of the biggest problems with platform is the idea that people idolize them. They want to get on them. They want to increase them. They want to grow them. They want theirs to be more influential. And they're waiting to do the big thing for Jesus until they can just get more people on board with whatever they are doing. John the Baptist protected that part of his ministry. So in John chapter 3, he says, you yourselves can testify. Everybody around could testify that John the Baptist himself said these words, I am not the Messiah. I am not the one you're looking for. I can tell you about the one you're looking for, but I am not he. The world would be benefited by many of us standing up and saying, I'm not it. I'm not the Savior. I am not your Holy Spirit. I am not the one. I can tell you about the one, but I myself am not the one. The problem is that when people get on their high and lofty platforms that Twitter built for them or their high and lofty platforms that their experience or their money or their power or their whatever they do, when they get on their high and lofty platforms and they start to say, I'm it. I've arrived. I'm what you need. John the Baptist never did that. He said, the bride... She belongs to the bridegroom. I'm not going to take what's not mine. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. Why? Because pointing to Jesus, not just his cousin, but the Savior, he said this. He must become greater and I must become less. The very van that Matthew said... That Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 was the greatest one ever born. John chapter 1 says he's not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. Because the light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. I don't know what your platform is. There's some spaces in your worship guide to write it down. Maybe it's your neighborhood, maybe it's a club, maybe it's your job, maybe it's just your own home with your family. Maybe it's with your extended family. You know, as a pastor in a family, I'm like the only one. I'm the designated prayer for food at all family gatherings. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter like, like whose house it is, doesn't matter who prepared the food, doesn't matter who the oldest person in the room is. And they all look at me like, hey, I mean, this is kind of a surprise. Hey, Nick, would you mind asking the blessing today for dinner? I'm the designated prayer. 
Uh, I'm the designated efficient at funerals and weddings. Um, I'm the one that gets the message when somebody in our family needs prayer or somebody in our family needs something. Uh, oh, we'll just go to Nick and he'll do it. Because Nick, Nick's the pastor. He's the one on the platform. And the truth is, you all have one too. And if Jesus Christ, Lucy Meek, lives big in you, then you ought to be the one offering the blessing at dinner. You ought to be the one offering the prayer when someone close to you has a concern. And you ought to be the one uttering the name of Jesus in, in, in the workplace and in the neighbor, in the marketplace, where, wherever you're at regardless of whether or not there's a microphone in front of your face. Because you have a platform. Write it down. What's yours? What are the opportunities that God has entrusted to you so that you can make more of Jesus and less of you? Last fall, we were going through this series on looking at Solomon, King Solomon, Old Testament, building this great grand temple for God. And it says in Second Chronicles 6, 13, we went through this first last October. It says now he had made a bronze platform <laughs> like Solomon. He, he didn't make the bronze platform himself. He told somebody to make that bronze platform, but someone made a bronze platform for him. And he was stayed. It was five cubits long, five cubits wide, three cubits high. We've got the dimensions because the Bible tells it to us. And he had placed it in the center of the outer court. He stood on the platform and then he knelt down before the whole assembly of Israel and he spread his hands toward heaven. I didn't know if I was going to get down because I don't know how easy it is to get back up. But I'm picturing with you that, that he stood on the platform, but then he knelt down on the platform and he raised his hands toward heaven. It's fine to grow your platform. It's fine to desire a bigger platform. It's fine to be a person whose platform is in the center of the room for everybody to see you when you stand on it. It's fine to be up on a platform. It's fine to stand taller than other people on that platform as long as you always check your posture when you're on it. Because your posture when you're on it could say, look at me. Or your posture when you're on it could say, look at him. Your words from it could say, hey, check me out. Your words from it could say, it's all about Jesus. At the end of this life, at the end of the life that we don't know how long it's going to be in the first place, at the end of this life, the only thing that's going to really matter and last is what we did with Jesus in it. How you used your time. How you leveraged your resources and your education and your opportunities. How you even took your own pain and used it for the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus so that other people could know who he is. That's what's going to count. And the deal about us leveraging any of that, well, is that ultimately it's about Jesus leveraging us. I'm not leveraging my time, but Jesus is leveraging me. I'm not leveraging my story. Jesus is leveraging it. You know, the way you spend your time, what you do with your education, how you utilize your resources, and even how you appropriate your own pain 
It could be your platform. It could be your platform. Dr. So-and-so, that could be your platform. And the research that you do and the advancements that you provide, that could be your platform. What other titles could you have, Mom? That could be your platform and the people that you raise and the people that you invest in and the people that you pour into so that one day their lives multiply into something that's greater than you could ever imagine or pain. Your disease, your diagnosis, your limit, your problem. That could be the platform that you leverage to tell the good things that God has done in your life in spite of the trouble that you faced. I don't know what your platform is, but I do hope that you are learning every single day how to leverage it for the glory of God. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. James chapter 4 says that it's a sin to know the thing that you ought to do and fail to do it. And you may have been in a situation before where you wasted your opportunity and you wasted your influence and you wasted your platform. There's forgiveness in that. Just recognizing that it was a mistake, recognizing that it was a fear, recognizing that it was a failure, recognizing that it was ultimately sin on your part. There is forgiveness in that. Because the Lamb of God takes away the sin, the sins of commission and the sins of omission in this world if we'll trust him that's that's what the gospel is Kathy Lee said some good things but so did Lucy this today's going to be a great day because Jesus Christ lives big in me the only way Jesus Christ lives big in you is if Jesus Christ actually lives in you the only way he lives in you is if you've trusted him with your whole life for the precious gift of salvation that only comes through him. He's the only cure for the malignancy of the human heart. And so we continue to pray as a congregation, as a church on this campus right here in this community, that if there are people who walk through our doors, if there's people in this room, if there's people that make their way into this, whether it's by invitation or by just divine intervention, that somebody sitting here today who's thinking to themselves, I don't know if Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jesus Christ certainly doesn't live big in me. I don't know if he actually lives in me. Maybe it's time today to tell him that you trust him, to ask him for his forgiveness. It comes in response to the confessions of your sin in life to say, I need Jesus. If that's you and that's your story right now, I want nothing more um, than to be a person who gets to talk with you and pray with you and share with you about the cure, the love of God that only comes through a relationship with Jesus, whatever else you're walking through as a church body. Again, I just desire to be there with you and for you. And so if today's a day when talking or praying together could benefit you or support you in any way, then, then let's do that. I'll be here at the conclusion of the service and would love to connect with you. Again, if you want to just jot that as a note down on your card and put in the offering plate as it passes by in a few moments, do that and I'll connect with you this week to say, hey, let's respond to the thing that God is saying to us through his word. There may not be a cardinal in the garage or a cardinal in this room, but you're important. And the story that God is writing in your life matters. And what we want to see you do is to live it fully for his glory, 
so that he can continue to make himself real and relevant to you. The other night we had a dinner at our house. It was a, a fun dinner and just people coming over, people who are new to the church and people who are getting connected for the first time. And I had them all go around and share things. Now you're not going to accept an invitation to my house because you think I'm going to make you share things. It was simple. Like, what is your name and how did you find out about this church? And one girl in the room said, oh, it was Dr. Barton. And Dr. Barton is not Dr. Barton to me. Dr. Barton is my friend Chris. He just happens to teach here in the biology department at the university. And he took an opportunity when we started this campus and we became part of this church to invite his students, the, the kids in his class, to come and check it out. And so her story about finding out about this was that the professor told me oh, that was leveraging his platform. If somebody else in this room just invited you to come and be here, they were leveraging their platform. And, and now it's time for us to all go out there in the world that we live in and leverage ours. And we want to do that so that Jesus can be made big, not just in our lives, but in others' lives as well. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your love and for the fact that you have divinely appointed each one of us to be where we are for as long as we're there to communicate the hope that we have in you. And God, we ask this morning that you would forgive us for the moments when we fail and when we don't take advantage of the opportunities that we have to communicate your love and your truth. Forgive us of our own self-imposed limits, God, of, of not knowing what to say and how to say it and being too frozen in fear to communicate the hope that we found in you. But ultimately, God, what we hope and pray is that you would craft in us a boldness and a willingness to be completely leveraged for your glory whether that's making the most of our time or our education, our experiences, or even our own painful stories, God. What we hope is that you will build a platform, big or small, doesn't matter, so that we can tell others about you. Doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are, or what stage of life we're in, every one of us has opportunities to serve you in big ways. And we want to do that, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. At this time, I'll invite ushers to come forward. These are men and women who collect the tithes and offerings and those cards that you filled out. They'll drop those in the baskets, too. Um, this is an opportunity for us to give back to God's work here. And just to tell him again, we trust you. And we want you to take these resources and do the miracle that only you can do and multiply them to do amazing things throughout this world. Um, this is us being leveraged for the glory of God. And so we pray, Jesus, take these resources, take these gifts, Take these prayers, take these stories, take these people's lives and use it for your glory. Leverage us well, Lord, so that we can tell more people about Jesus. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.